0: Uh, another episode of the let's go eat show and i'm uh uh, i'm very interested about uh, this one i'm going to talk we're going to talk about what, what used to be called special k and not the cereal and uh, we're going to talk to a doctor about this, uh, and uh, the Let's Go Eat show is going uh, into brave territory here, I think, when we're talking about ketamine, and it's Dr. Robert Heemstra. Can I call you Bob, or should I call you, you sure doctor? Can. Okay, sure Okay, because I'd be sorry. happy to call you Dr. Heemstra. I think no, it's... that's uh, very okay. It's, it's an authoritative-sounding name. I like that. Like that. Uh, by the way, I should point out we're recording once again here at The Daily, 222 South Main Street in downtown Salt Lake, uh, Ryan. Ryan Lauder runs this place, and it is a very nice place to come for for breakfast and lunch and uh, brunch on Saturday and Sunday. Now, Dr. Heemstra, I met you a while ago, and I knew nothing about, really, about ketamine other than I guess I'd heard the name, Uh, I'd heard that it was... uh, that it was used uh, for, like, EDM parties and things like that. There is an illicit use for it, as there is with any drug, probably. And I also uh, heard that, uh, knew that it was probably it used in veterinary uh, medicine. And then you gave me an education about it. Um, let's, let's uh, start with how, how, why do you do ketamine therapy? What's it good for in your practice? Well,
1: being an ER doctor, ketamine uh, in the beginning for me was a general anesthetic and something that we could use with kids to help them with certain procedures. And that was really the only role for it, which was
0: its original designated
1: role as a general anesthetic. Okay,
0: and why? And you, you would use it instead of uh, uh, ether, or uh, there, back then there was no propofol, but uh, you would use it instead of ether for yeah. It was things.
1: in the category of general anesthetic with ether. Propofol,
0: mm-hmm. all of those, yeah, and uh, and so that's and it was when was it first developed? Did I hear? Did, did, do I remember you telling me it was used in uh, World War II? Not two. It was developed at the end of the
1: '60s. Okay, all right. Yeah. So right around '68, '70, mm-hmm. something like that. And so your practice as a out. as an ER doctor, you were using it as uh, every once in a while for. Every once in a while for rare situations it really isn't a good general anesthetic it has a few specific uh, very applicable uses Vietnam is where it came to be famous oh that's what I remember you right saying. Yeah. Uh, the big reason was that unlike other general anesthetics it keeps your breathing which is why we can still call it safe for kids young soldiers, et cetera, why it does have such a safe doctrine.
0: Can I ask you a question about uh, anesthetics in general? And I, it, uh, it seems to me that I've sp- spoken to an, um, uh, a doctor who specializes in that, and, and I say, do you guys really know how, uh, for instance, this propofol works or ether works or any of these things, or do you n- really know how they work? And he said, You know, we just know that they do work. (laughs) We're not quite sure why they work. Is that true? Well, when you really get down to the cellular level,
1: Mm -hmm. you know, we don't know a lot of what goes on in there. We can point towards certain chemical uh, interactions that lead to certain situations. But with the organs themselves and all, there is a lot that we don't know. You can say generally that these would shut down... The... Alertness areas, yeah, yeah. for instance. Yeah, yeah. But is that really saying that you know what it means? No, we aren't really seeing chemicals interacting. Yeah,
0: you just know that it does work. Uh, so we'll go back to ketamine now. Uh, so uh, y- you encountered it in the 60s, uh, or I mean, in the not in the 60s, but as an ER doctor. Uh, uh, so when did you um, become interested in uh, the use of ketamine as a therapeutic tool for? Uh, depression? Depression, uh, for um, uh, addictions and and chronic pain. I think you can also use it for right. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a role for it. Um, I first heard about it when I was on a an Indian Health Service reservation in Minnesota, and a good buddy of mine called me and told me that he just read a Bloomberg article that talked about this new drug with respect to depression, mm-hmm. ketamine, that people were lining lining up around the block to get into anesthesiologist and psychiatrist's office to get. Hmm. And how long
0: ago was that? That was uh, almost exactly three years. Yeah, three years ago. And so you start looking into it. And talk about that process a little bit. Well, actually, that turned out
1: to be my last ER shift. I got really excited about this. It seemed to be an amazing thing, something that actually worked for depression. Mm -hmm. Because we really didn't have much that we can say really worked got people that were better than sugar pills most of the ssris uh it's tough to argue that they do much more than sugar pills
0: as i read far as the i read science. somewhere somebody said it's using the using the term antidepressant for pills that they get people is a joke it's just a joke
1: for the most part, I would have to agree with a lot of that, mm. you know,
0: especially since there's so much in the way of side effects. Mm. What, are, what are some of the common, what are we talking, Paxil? Uh, what are some of the common uh, so-called antidepressants that people are using? Uh, Prozac. Prozac. Yeah. Paxil. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. In the old days, Thorazine. and they used to use Thorazine? Uh, Thorazine.
1: Uh, is more of an antipsychotic oh yeah Imipramine is an old tricyclic. Mm-hmm. You know those are old drugs of the past that mm-hmm. that still are used occasionally, as are the SSRIs. And what does that stand for SSRI? a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor
0: so so it it's uh, it's meant to inhibit the serotonin levels and and
1: well level it actually
0: raises them oh, by up,
1: decreasing the, in, the the inhibitor the gotcha. the destruction of them so you end up with more of them at L- the, you need more serotonin the
0: than they they think if you're depressed uh so uh so you you did your you do your last ER shift and uh ketamine therapy. It's still kind of controversial, although we're seeing more and oh, more of it. Oh, it's becoming much much less. Yeah, I know. Right. I've noticed that, but but uh, when you first started doing it 3 or 4 years ago, was pretty pretty out there, wasn't it? Uh, I began 3 years ago and and
1: it had been done by a number of people, but it was off label. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the b- drug being as safe as it is, uh, it is something that seemed very beneficial, very unlikely to hurt people relative to the amount that that you could help them. And that's certainly the way that it's working out right now. Mm. Uh It's no longer off-label, and it's now covered by insurance. I'm almost mainstream now. Oh, my goodness. You you don't want to be thought of as mainstream, do you? (laughs) Well, if, you know, actually... You'd be good. I mean, obviously, it's... I suppose it's nice to be new and cutting edge. But mm-hmm. in medicine, I can't say that's yeah. a giant thing that I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah. And it's not a quest thing that you do like like you would in Hollywood.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about being off-label and then not off-label. Uh, make sure that people understand that specifically. Can you, you Can you kind of do that for me? Well, basically on-label use
1: means that the fda has accepted the scientific evidence that the drug works for a certain usage Mm -hmm. and once it's reached that status and it's accepted then insurance companies will take it and it's generally accepted by the medical public and and the
0: law yeah there's there are a lot of a lot of medications that (laughs) Are, they're considered off-label because they're, somebody's taking them for one thing, and they seem to be helping for a totally unrelated thing. And so doctors start prescribing it for... Right. In the initial research that would be done, they'd be focused on a
1: certain area, mm-hmm. as with ketamine. They were really only interested in general anesthesia. Depression wasn't even a question who, raised.
0: Who do, do we know who, who sort of said... You know, know, this seems to be working for depression.
1: I think there is one name. I wish I could pull that up here. I can point to Yale. Yale is the place where most of the original realization that it does work for depression was carried out. And that's where the initial bit of science that was done that established the protocol usage and uh, and the first ways of administering the medicine
0: yeah. uh, so uh, let me just r- remind folks we're talking to dr. Robert Teamstra Bob and uh, you you opened up a clinic here that that's a proper terminology I guess a clinic uh, uh, to uh, treat people with ketamine uh, were you uh, were you the first one to do it here uh, no, there were there were other
1: people, mm-hmm. few others, uh, but. right, mm-hmm. uh, that were out there, uh, but
0: I was one of the first. Mm-hmm. It's uh, and and uh, can you describe to, for people what the therapy is, what it's like? Well, it's. Probably,
1: uh, I would have to encapsulate it as uh, a product of the experience of the drug. I mean, coming to the clinic has a certain atmospheric quality to it. I could describe the physical state, and I do try to make our clinic comfortable Mm -hmm. and natural, which implies kind of being non-medical without the stainless steel and all. Mm -hmm. But... Ninety percent of the experience of ketamine is the psychedelic drug itself. Mm. So um, the patient comes in and is checked in in a normal medical fashion and vital signs are taken and, uh, and a room is decided upon. And then uh, vital signs are addressed evaluated, and if everything's okay, then uh, after we've uh, spoken with the patient, taken a history...
0: uh, You'll have a psychological evaluation, I would assume, of some sort? uh, To a certain extent, but um, I'm not a...
1: Uh, a therapist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm mostly interested in, in, in administering this medicine in a way that would be helpful to the patient.
0: So, 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 you, so at at their word, you, they say
1: I'm I am depressed. I've had well, supple- it's not so much at their word. I would talk to them about it, and mm. depression isn't too hard to pick out yeah. as a possibility in people's personalities. Mm-hmm. I'll go into their history a little bit and find out. Uh, what medicines they've taken and and what their lifestyle is like. What brought See you See what's here. happening. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. What brought you here? Why do you think you want this?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And uh, depression is a widespread thing. It's tough even to tell in an individual if you are yourself depressed mm-hmm. versus sad. There is a, a difference just... Uh, going through
0: sadnesses is a part of normal life. I have to check myself and say i'm when i say i'm depressed i start to s- i stop and i think wait no i'm not depressed i'm just i'm just down i'm bummed out about something right. i'm i'm depression is a is a is an illness and and it's uh, something that has clinical observable symptoms
1: and it has a neuroscience to it that we've only come to know in the last year mm. where there's very interesting and positive and specific to depression changes that go on. You have a whole brain organ devoted to despair and uh, depression that we really didn't know about as such until last year. The lateral habenula is the bad boy.
0: Oh, I don't.
1: Where is that? The lateral habenula is a small organ. Uh, right in front of the pineal gland about the same size and it sits in there registering every bit of stress that you have in life so when it reaches your personal tipping point it fires off a code to the rest of your brain that tells it to first go into a stress state where it's looking for tigers instead of sniffing the flowers. And then it shuts down your ventral tegmental area where you get all of nature's happy juice rewards, namely dopamine, serotonin, and GABA. Without that, you are depressed. And that's depression in a way that we never understood it before. I've never heard
0: that explained quite that way. That's fascinating. So something about ketamine works on that? Well, um, it actually,
1: uh, when that organ is stimulated, and uh, once you've reached your tipping point, the signal that it sends out is called the lateral habenular burst mode. And it's really recognizable. We can see it photographed in, <laughs> on certain complicated uh, setups <laughs> where we see five or six beats of a normal lateral habenular neuron grouped together over and over again. And that is the signal mm-hmm. of, of despair. Mm-hmm. When I see that, I know that rat wants to get out of town. Now, I'm not using that as a diagnosis, but that's the portrait that we get from the Nature magazine article that it was printed in. Mm-hmm. And then, when we give ketamine, that pattern, Immediately abates. It's disrupted
0: we, we, somehow. The signal is disrupted. We see it
1: disappear. Yeah. It returns to the state of that neuron before it was initiated, which is a random pulse state.
0: How do? How is the ketamine? Uh, and what's the name of your clinic, by the way? Uh, ketamine for depression, Salt Lake City. Ketamine for depression, Salt Lake City. How is the ketamine administered? Uh, that's uh,
1: a very interesting currently controversial and I think changing question. Mm -hmm. Uh, Conventionally ketamine is given intravenously. Mm -hmm. It's always been done that way. Since the beginning this drug was designed for the operating room and when you're in the OR You have an IV, and if you have an IV, you use it.
0: Sure, you just put it in there with whatever else is in
1: there. So the operating room has defined the way that we normally use ketamine. Sure. So just coming out of it, doctors are fairly traditional people. So in a monkey-see-monkey-do fashion, and because of the need for it when you're in the OR, we've always had an IV. But we've found... I've found that um, intramuscular ketamine actually has many advantages. That would be
0: one uh, injection. That would be a single intramuscular
1: injection into the muscle. Like in your your buttocks, your thigh, or something like that. So that where it's been given normally IV, there are problems with giving it IV. Sure. I mean, IVs can be just by their very nature... Can cause problems. With a single biggest problem, in an IV can, it's an open port to the universe. Yes, but I like uh, the way you put things sometimes. I like that. Thank you. All right. But um, (laughs) one of the three major situations that uh, I find myself critical of the intravenous use of ketamine with is has to do with the emergence problem. what, is, what does that mean? The okay. emergence problem relates to the fact that ketamine is a psychedelic. Because it's a psychedelic, like LSD or mushrooms, mm-hmm. we can have freakout reactions, bad trips ego deaths Mm -hmm. situations where the patient is confused and
0: sometimes out of control is it because uh, 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 now i'm inferring from what you've just said that it's because if you administer it uh, intravenously it has an almost immediate effect well it has a fairly immediate
1: effect but um, this tends to be um, a predictable side effect of ketamine it can be limited some But in reaching the full therapeutic range of ketamine, we have to go to higher levels. And those higher levels trigger this emergence phenomenon. I see. Now... uh, What we're really talking about here, I'll describe one situation where I had, a few months ago, an NFL defensive end, more cut than LeBron, confused and rolling around in our clinic. Hmm. Now... We just had to manage him. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure that he didn't hit anything hard. Mm -hmm. And we have mostly love sacks, carpeted floors, uh, not many of the usual medical situation, as in stainless steel gurneys with Mm -hmm. sharp corners, uh, tile floors, things like that. So his rolling around wasn't going to hurt him too much. And... uh, Uh, We just managed it. Now, if he'd had an IV in place, that would have been a major problem. I see. Or if it had been in a different clinic situation. For instance, uh, there are other clinics around, big clinics that are administering ketamine. And the university, to be specific, where their clinic has hard tile floors. They use stainless steel gurneys with sharp corners. Mm-hmm. They have sharp-edged furniture. What do they and, do, strap and, people down? Or? And other people lying around on the gurneys. Now, if my... NFL defensive end had been flailing around in there. Yeah. So that's the reason the university limits their dosage. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, they will I not see. go beyond the protocol, zero point five milligrams mm-hmm. per kilogram. Whereas I reach levels three times that routinely, mm-hmm. and I expect emergence reactions
0: as a result. Mm. And and is that uh, is that a is that you expect that reaction? It's a it's a side effect. Is it? Uh, Is it a good thing, a bad thing, or is it just is? Well,
1: if the patient hurt themselves, it would be a bad thing. Does the emergence reaction itself hurt the patient? You know, psychologically or emotionally. uh, It's very strange, you know. uh, When people have an emergence reaction, first of all, it doesn't last more than 10 minutes because the half-life of ketamine is only 20 minutes. Mm. So when people get this kind of emergence reactions and they're confused and lost, mostly we manage them. And then we observe two other effects that usually follow this kind of reaction. The first thing is that they don't remember it. I did what? Yeah. You know, they have to say. So that part is comforting if Mm -hmm. they've been expressing fear. Mm -hmm. And then we also find that strangely enough, the next day it seems to have been almost therapeutic. Like, where they had this bad reaction, were they having some kind of argument with themselves, mm-hmm. some kind of internal conflict. The Buddhists talk about the mind being made up of the 10,000 selves. If two or three of those are in conflict, maybe the increased number of thoughts in the same conscious space or some mm-hmm. other component of psychedelia.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Pushes them to resolve their conflict. This is this is no. I mean, this is no different than uh, the last time I had a surgical procedure. I think I had propofol, and uh, when I ca- came out of it on in the operate in the recovery room, I had this odd sensation, and I said to the to the nurse who was there, "Have I been have I been swearing? I mean, just foul mouth swearing." And she said, "Yes, you have." And I said, "I." I'm really sorry. (laughs) I'm very sorry. And she said... (gasps) It's very common. Wow! It's very yeah. common. Don't worry about it in the slightest. I could, and for some reason, I just I just knew that I'd been just been so fucking foul mouthed that I, you know. So, then to follow along with the ketamine, propofol
1: sometimes is used as an antidepressant. That's one of the newer mm-hmm. ones where mm-hmm. they put you down ten times. Yeah, so if heard, you had right. had propofol, yeah. we would ask you the question after you did that. Mm-hmm. Did you feel better?
0: Oh, I did. You I've feel had, relieved? I've had propofol three or four times. It's uh, it, it, it it leaves you with a sense of well-being. All right. It felt like I finally got some sleep. You know, I slept very well and felt refreshed. Well, that must be what
1: Michael Jackson was questioning. Sure, it was. And I wonder if if he wasn't going after the same antidepressant stuff that the propofol docs are doing now.
0: Somebody told me that with propofol, the the way, uh, way he got in bad trouble is that ultimately you think you're getting good sleep and you're really not getting good sleep if you do it a lot. So he was probably sleep deprived very sleep deprived. Well, you know, that's certainly what happens with almost
1: others, uh, sleep pills. You may have your eyes closed, you may feel good for a few weeks, but for Um, the most part, most of them, yeah, do
0: leave you with a deficit. Do you think that when you use the term uh, uh, psychedelic with ketamine, and it's just being very honest, that's what it is, does that scare people a little bit? I it doesn't would, scare me, but I... It's got to trigger
1: certain responses. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I see it uh, when patients come into the clinic. You know, uh, th- there's always been a white coat syndrome. Mm-hmm. I think that's magnified a little bit when it's white coat plus
0: psychedelics. That's uh, mm-hmm. a lot to consider. It is, uh, that's interesting. I think that demonstrates your... Uh, uh understanding of the of a patient it's uh you, you get it that they have right. some trepidation about doing it in the first place oh, you know psychedelics
1: are oftentimes stated as being in themselves the most shocking experience that the human mind can mm-hmm. go through mm-hmm. so
0: but they've been and they've Tough been to beat that and they've fruit. been demonized quite thoroughly uh, over the last forty or fifty years. By uh, well, certainly in the beginning, when we really
1: didn't know what it was—was was it causing schizophrenia or at least mm-hmm. releasing it, bringing mm-hmm. it in early—and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and and a whole lot of that, you know, when you say demonized, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, mo- many historians will suggest that. That was a Nixon political yeah. agenda, yeah, yeah. right? The yeah. blacks were labeled with narcotics, mm-hmm. and the hippies got marijuana and LSD. Yeah,
0: yeah that's that's. Uh, I right. think there's no doubt about it. Let's uh, talk a little bit here in a uh, closing minutes. Uh, uh, it's uh, so ketamine. Uh, you are convinced, and I read a bunch of stuff, and there are a lot of people convinced that it's good for uh, uh, treating depression uh, and for addictive behaviors as well it certainly can
1: be i gosh i had a lady three or four days ago that announced to me you know doctor i wasn't even trying to stop smoking but i have It's pretty good.
0: I don't promise that every day. Yeah, But but it it happens. Uh, And also uh, chronic pain, I read that it can be very helpful for that. Some
1: chronic pains are relieved, I think, directly by some of the magic, neurologic things that ketamine does. But just relieving depression
0: Mm -hmm. makes any pain... Much less noteworthy. About how many treatments does a person have to undergo? Is there an average or is it, uh, is it just dependent on the patient? Well, I have
1: a certain number that I utilize in decreasing the number. You know, the standard dosage of this, most people will recognize as being kind of strange, is 0.5 milligrams per kilogram IV over 40 minutes mm-hmm. and that dose repeated six times over the next 12 days and then that series of six repeated every three months effectively forever. Mm. The Uh, I do start off with the six doses, but my goal is to cut down on the price. I'm already the cheapest ketamine in America at $200, but I can claim to be one-sixth that price because I take those six doses, condense them down to one dose, and make it so that instead of a series of six every three months, it's one dose. Every three months for two hundred dollars. That Uh, is the deal of the century. Two hundred dollars
0: a dose is what you're saying. Yeah. So.
1: Two hundred dollars a dose, but that's all I give after the first six.
0: Oh, that's you you don't have them back and back and back. One dose every three months, forever. Mm -hmm.
1: Probably. Yeah. Unless you can uh, abate your depression, which can be done, but that's. More of a Buddhist thing than a medical thing to do.
0: <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's a fascinating uh, thing to me. This it's it's intriguing. And uh, uh, do you um, you've been doing this for three years or so? And you have patients who've been with you that long. Um. I switched clinics
1: halfway through, I did kind of an internship for the first year learning about ketamine. But for the last two years, I most certainly do. I I have people uh, that have been with me for that full two years, Mm -hmm. and I have people that don't just get three months off with each dose, they get seven. And then they come back saying, I think I need a touch-up. That's what it amounts to. And then we have other modalities, too, for people with shorter intervals. There are ketamine trochees, which can be taken at home in almost the same dose. Ketamine what? trochies, they're know. called. It's a buckle, lo- a cheek lozenge, flavored mm. cheek lozenges that dissolve in about a half an hour, mm. and are probably the future of ketamine for many people. I
0: also read something about inhaler uh, ketamine. Is that uh, well nasal? Um, uh, nasal inhalation of
1: ketamine. I've been doing that for a few years. It's just come out formally uh, through Janssen Pharmaceuticals, a subdivision of Johnson & Johnson. And um, it's out. Uh, It's very expensive. It... I will thank Janssen Pharmaceuticals for doing the research to make this on-label so I'm no longer off-label. Got gotcha. you, uh, and that's that's the single biggest thing that I like about it. Otherwise, nasal spray is only a smaller percentage is absorbed. Mm-hmm. It's not the same effect. There, uh, it's quite expensive, and it must be administered only in the clinic, oh, like like our parenteral mm-hmm. uh, medicines are. When I give out nasal spray, I normally let the patient take it home, and uh, scientifically, the ketamine that I have in my nasal spray, the usual ketamine, esketamine plus R-ketamine, is, I scientifically, from the literature, a better product for depression. Mm. Uh,
0: it's uh, it's an amazing new field. Uh, now you're saying insurance is starting to cover it? and I just heard, uh, mm. it was a doctor, I,
1: I haven't seen it in print yet, but Select Health has started covering ketamine. Mm. They uh, they cover the uh, troches and the nasal spray without pre- pre-authorization. And for the intravenous and the intramuscular, they're mm. apparently going to be covering it after it's been authorized. It is a brave new world, isn't it? It is. It's moving <laughs> fast. Uh, Dr.
0: Robert Heemstra, uh, the name of your clinic is... Ketamine for Depression, Salt Lake City. All right. Uh, I want to thank you for taking some time. I think it's a fascinating topic.
1: Oh, and could I uh, leave my website on there? Sure. KetamineSLC.com.
0: Sure. All yeah. right? Yeah, you, you just did. There you go. Thank you very much. Uh, that's it for the Let's Go Eat Show. Thank you, Dick Clark, for helping produce the program. Thank you for The Daily at 222 South Main Street for uh, letting us sit around and, uh, and ch- chat in their uh, cafe here. It's in the Goldman Sachs building. Don't let that keep you away. No, I, you know, Mr. Goldman, Mr. Sachs, you know, I love both of you deeply. That's it. I'm Bill Allred. Remember, if your porn drinks, make mine a double.